The following message was preached at Flint Hill Baptist Church. We would love for you to join us on Sundays for life groups and worship, or on Wednesdays for adult Bible study, kids, and youth activities. For more information, visit flinthill.net. Let me, uh, let me invite you to open up your Bibles to 2 Chronicles 7.14. Uh, we've already read through that scripture one time. But I want us to look at it again. And, uh, and I've got two other passages I want us to look at this morning together. We've been, we've been in this emphasis for 10 days, praying through what we call uh, this Pentecost prayer uh, emphasis, this 10 days of praying. 2 Chronicles 7.14 has been the focus of that. And uh, as, as we shared earlier, I mean, it's just a, it's just a beautiful uh, declaration as we gather together in his name to call upon uh, his name. The Bible, the Bible is clear uh, that this message is meant for God's people. Now, if you're a person here today and you're our guest and you don't know the Lord, then I would say to you that today is the day of salvation. Turn to the Lord uh, while he can be found. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. But the message that God had gave to the, uh, even, even back here with Solomon at the time of the temple, it was a prayer of de- uh, dedication. And we take this uh, scripture reference and has been used throughout history to just claim the promises. If my people who are called by my name, that's those that come to know the Lord, that have covered, that, that know him personally, if we will humble ourselves and pray. And, I, and I've shared this on Wednesday night. I think uh, we see this in the book of Ephesians, verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I think submission and humility is the key to not just being aware of the presence of God in our lives, but it's key to us and how we relate to one another and how we uh, are used by the Lord. In other words, God uh, will oppose the proud. Those that are arrogant and full of themselves will not experience the fullness and the power of God in their life. You won't. Uh, uh, God will not contradict his word, and he has already said, I'm going to oppose the proud. I'm talking about a believer in Christ. You can be full of yourself. You can be full of your agenda, your plans, and God will oppose you. He'll he'll put his hand up and say, no, I'm not going to show you my presence. I will not manifest my presence in your life. I will leave you wanting in your arrogance. So I would submit to you that one of the greatest challenges we have as Christians is to maintain a sense of humbleness before the Lord. But then specifically to seek His face. And and we talked about this. It's about intimacy with your Heavenly Father. Jesus died and rose again on that cross that we might know Him personally. Um, You know, again, I'm not going into my testimony, uh, but I didn't grow up in church. Uh, I really, and now listen, I know what it's like to be religious. Don't get me wrong. I've been around church long enough. I can be religious, uh, right? I, I tell my little life group all the time. I don't want the Sunday school answer, but we do the Sunday school answer all the time. I know the words to say and how to say them. And so do you. Most of you do, unless you're unchurched and you don't, you haven't been in church very long, which some of you might be that way. You might not know the language, but I would assume that most of us know what to say and how to say it. And we can get really good at that, and we can hide behind that. That, uh, that is one thing that the Lord will come against always in our life. God never intended us to have the right words come out of our mouth and our heart be distant from Him. Uh, we see in the New Testament the Pharisees were the most religious people of the day. Uh, make no mistake about it, they would put most of us to shame in what they memorized in the Scripture. 
Uh, Paul said he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Most likely he had much of what we call the Old Testament committed to memory. Um, yet, here's the deal. You can have a ton of God's Word memorized in your mind and your heart can be distant from Him. I, listen, I'm just being honest before you. I hope you're hearing me today. It's not about how many times you come to church or how much scripture you can quote. It's about an intimate, personal walk with your Heavenly Father. He died and rose again, and He has made a way for us to know Him personally. To know Him intimately. That's the word. Jesus said it this way in John 15, abide in Him. To abide in the Lord means to be personal, to be intimate. If we're not intimate and we're not personal, then what are we? Religious? At best? So this whole 10 days of praying, it says that my people called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear, forgive, and heal their land. Uh, my emphasis today, I think the prayer time we've already begun to pray about this morning earlier, my emphasis today is to heal our land, Lord. Heal our land. Uh, now, that being said, hold your, uh, you can turn with me now to Luke. Luke chapter 4, because I am going to take a little liberty here, because when we talk about the land, in the, in the days of Solomon at the temple, uh, no doubt you read the context, when there was judgment of God that came upon God's people, he usually dried up the heavens and there was no rain, and there was some kind of uh, um, uh, judgment that was brought upon the people and the land, and they would turn away from their wickedness and God would replenish and restore but I would submit to you that even as we move into the New Testament, it's more than just the dirt and the soil that, we, that is around us today. Uh, when we talk about the land, uh, some of us may talk about the United States of America and the land in which we live. And I would submit to you that we need to pray for this country, for sure. But we also need to submit and, and to acknowledge that when we talk about healing our land, Jesus made a statement. In fact, he taught about the land of our soil. Y'all remember this? The parable, we call the parable of the soils. He talked about a person's life, and that can be calloused and hard. And that seed, if I had some seed, I could throw it, and he said it would bounce right off. In fact, he says the enemy would come and snatch that word right out of their heart. And that's not good. But, so he's talking about the soil of our soul, our hearts. But then he talks about a soil that can be uh, uh, look really good on the top side, but underneath is full of rocks. Now, I don't know if you're a gardener, but you've got to get them rocks up out of the ground if you want to have good roots. Y'all with me? Uh, same thing for us as well. You've got to get rid of that. Uh, he said sometimes there's weeds that pop up into the soil of our hearts. I'm talking about God's people. And he said, look, you, gotta, you can't have weeds. weeds. Weeds will choke out what God wants to do in your life. And then he talks about the good soil. He talks about the richness of that soil and how our hearts can be conditioned in such a way that when God's Word gets planted in it, that we can be refreshed and renewed and grow and thrive and produce this incredible crop of righteousness for the glory of God. So when I submit to you today, when I say heal our land, I'm specifically referencing the land, the soil of our soul. No doubt about it, the soil of our soul. And so I'm talking about to God's people, I'm talking about this heart of mine, this life of mine, this mind of mine, that it needs to be delivered and set free, conditioned in such a way that my heart and my mind would receive the Word of God and produce within it everything God intended it for it to do. 
So anyway, so I want to share a couple of passages of Scripture real quickly here. And first and foremost, I want to talk about condition of soul. I know they've already got that up there. In Luke chapter 4, uh, the Lord just brought to my mind, this was in Luke chapter 4, verse 17, this is, um, this is Jesus' inaugural message. In fact, he, he comes right out of uh, 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 the, the desert. He comes out of that. He comes out of the temptation. And then he goes up into the synagogue. And, I mean, he's, in other words, he's in the church house. And in, in the church house, they acknowledge him there. And they say, hey, here, why don't you bring the message for today? And so he did. And he grabbed a scroll of Isaiah. He said, in fact, he probably would have said, bring me the scroll of Isaiah. And he does. And he opens that scroll up. And he comes to what we know, you know this, Isaiah 61. Now, in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, he begins to read. Listen to this. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And he sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, and to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of everyone was on him. I can just imagine in that day. He, he, he reads this from Isaiah. But here's what he says in verse 21. To me, this is key to everything. I'm, in fact, you read the rest of the chapter, a lot happens. He said to them on this day, he said, Today, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Make no mistake, Isaiah in chapter 61 in the book of Isaiah, he declared this word. There goes my Bible again. Something falling out. In Isaiah 61, you don't have to turn there, but Isaiah says this, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, release from the darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Does that not sound very familiar to what Jesus just proclaimed, just read? Now, in Isaiah's day, it meant something there in his day, but it was also prophecy and prophetic. And so when Jesus stood up on this day and proclaimed this message, when he said, I have fulfilled this word, in the fullness sense, Jesus Christ was declaring to all the people that were there and beyond, even to us today as I read this word together, that he alone fulfills the promises of this scripture, the prophecy. So, so let me read on. Verse 3 in Isaiah 61. Hear this. Or in verse 2 he says, Proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. Provide for those who grieve in Zion and to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, an oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And they will be called oaks of righteousness. A planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. Now let me, let me just share quickly here. Because when Jesus declares this statement in Luke 4, He talks about, He identifies. There are key words here from this passage and Isaiah 61. Key words that describe the condition of the soil of our soul. Remember, He's in the church house proclaiming this. It goes back to 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. What, what does that mean to be humble? It means this. It means, it means to acknowledge the truth of the condition of my soul. To acknowledge that. Now I want to I share with you. There's what? Three, six, nine words that he uses in Luke and in Isaiah to describe the condition of our soul. He uses the. They're up on that little screen up there already. 
He uses the word poor. Prisoner. Blind. Oppressed. Brokenhearted. Captive. Mourn. Grief. And despair. Now here's the deal. If you finish reading Luke chapter 4, which I don't have time this morning, a lot of the people were amazed at his preaching on this day and would acknowledge the condition of their soul and would look to him as the one who would fulfill it in the Messiah. That's, but there were some on that day, there were some on this day in particular when he declared this, they began to say uh, things like this. Isn't this Joseph's son? Jesus said, surely you're going to quote a proverb to me. He says this, physician, heal yourself. You remember that? When he's on the cross? Do here in your hometown what you've done in Capernaum. And he goes, I tell you the truth. No prophet is accepted in his hometown. And he goes on to describe that. In verse 28, it gives a description of the people on that day. I'm telling you what. I mean, the Lord preached a message and the Bible says all the people in the synagogue became furious when they heard this. They got angry. What? <laughs> this up in the church house in the synagogue. He just preached. He just said, today this has been fulfilled in your presence. You would think there would be great rejoicing and celebration. Rejoicing that, man, he's finally come. The Messiah is here. The one that's going to repair the condition of our soul. He's here. He's here. But no, there's not. They're angry. They're furious. They're rebellious. Can I submit to you right now? Please hear me. One of the most challenging things me and you are going to do today is to acknowledge the truth before Almighty God of the condition of our soul right now. It's too easy to hide behind the facade certain words we say. Are you poor? Are you held captive? Are you brokenhearted? Are you oppressed, beat down? Are you grieving today? What is the condition of our soul? The people on this day refused to acknowledge it and they got angry and upset with our Lord. I would submit to us here today the most important thing that we can do is humble ourselves before the Lord and acknowledge purposely, intentionally, says, Lord, this is where I really am. Friend, I can tell you this, you cannot move forward with Christ acting like it's not real. You cannot put on a facade and be filled with the Holy Spirit and empowerment of our Lord. You've got to be honest and sincere before Him. Now the good news, He doesn't leave it there. In fact, He says in verse 19, I'm here to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. In the scripture I just read, Isaiah 61, and in this one, He says, no, He doesn't leave them at the poor, prisoner, blind, oppressed, brokenhearted, captive, mourning, and grieving, and despair. But He says, look, for all of those that will listen and respond, there's good news. There's freedom. Good night. Hear that again. There's freedom in Christ. Recovery of sight. There's a release. Literally the idea of release from bondage. There's this binding up Isaiah talks about. In other words, a healing. A healing in the heart of those that are broken. There's deliverance and comfort. There's a crown of beauty that, that really signifies one's worth before the Lord. 
There's oil of gladness and a garment of praise that will be adorned on those that acknowledge their condition before God and will come before the Lord in the Lord's favor. What does that mean, the Lord's favor? The Lord's presence. How do we enter into the presence of the Lord? Only through the blood of Jesus. Only through Christ alone. But for those who will come before the Lord, they will experience this great news and freedom. They will experience healing. To God be the glory. And I, I'm not just talking about a physical healing. I'm talking about a spiritual healing. Deliverance. Setting free from any of anything that might hinder you from being all that God's called you to be. There is a great news today. Friend, it's still the good news. Please hear me. Some of you today might be looking for your significance and worth and all kinds of stuff. But I want you to hear me. It's only in Christ alone that you find your real significance and worth. He said, I will anoint you with oil and put this oil of gladness, this joy inside your heart. And I will wrap you up in a garment of praise. Now again, Jesus sits down in verse 21 in, in the synagogue on this day. And he said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, it has come. It is fulfilled literally. It has come into fruition. I am ushering. That's what he was saying. He said, today, the reality of this scripture, this prophecy is done. I am here and I am bringing it into fruition. Now we understand because we're on this side of the cross that in his life and his legacy and his death and his resurrection, he is now forever, forever fulfilled forever. These promises in this prophecy. When I say this in my notes, I say in Christ alone, you will only in Christ alone will you experience this. It is absolutely true. Not because JJ, because Jesus said it. He said, I've come that they may have life and life more abundantly. To God be the glory. I mean, we, we, we declare this. I mean, he said this. It is come. It is fulfilled. It's not somewhere in the future. It's right now. For those that will humble themselves before the Lord. In fact, let me remind you in Isaiah 61, verse 3, in the prophecy of Isaiah, which Jesus brings to fruition in, in, in Luke chapter 4, he said that when, when those that humble themselves and come before the Lord, he said, God will make them oaks of righteousness. Now, I have to say this. I, I mean, I was down in Mobile yesterday, ran down there real quick. And my sister-in-law, they have this house in a little Hickory Ridge subdivision. But man, I don't... And people don't cut trees down in this neighborhood. I don't know if y'all have any oak trees at your house. I don't know. But I'm telling you, I've never seen such huge oak trees in one place. Massive. I mean, the limbs were so huge, right? The oaks were just magnificent. I mean, it was just incredible looking at them. But yet, here's what the Lord has said to me and you. You know what God wants to do in our life? He wants to make us oaks of righteousness, the, and he goes on to say, I want, I want to do that for what reason? To display his splendor through our lives. In other words, God designed me and you to display his splendor, to bring his glory to the people around us, that we would stand firm and strong in his presence so that through us Christ might present himself to the world in which we live, to display his splendor. Oh, it's just a beautiful thing, isn't it? For a heart that's oppressed in bondage becomes a heart of righteousness and splendor only through the gospel only through the good news of Jesus Christ can you take someone who's dead in their sins and make them alive in Christ alone 
What a beautiful thing. Now, I'm going to submit to you right now. And we're going to come to come on up here, Gavin. As I share this, I mean, this, this is kind of the final message in this 2 Chronicles 7, 14. God's got a plan and a purpose for our lives. A whole lot of it has to do with demonstrating and displaying His glory through His people who are called upon His name. Let me remind you in Ephesians chapter, chapter, uh, chapter 5 that God is washing His church through the water of His Word. He's cleansing her. He's getting the bride ready. In this day in which we live, listen, my heart is this. My heart is for me and you, children of God, to humble ourselves before the Lord and ask God to do what only He wants to do. And He designed us to know Him and to make Him known to those around us. Let me go back. Let me go back to some of the people in the first century. When they first heard that message from the Lord, some people rejoiced and humbled themselves and accepted it and believed it. And others rebelled. I go back to what we said, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. As much as I want Jesus to pound it into my heart and life, I mean, He's already given us the option today to humble ourselves before Him and to ask Him to seek His face. God longs for me and you to know Him intimately and personally. I've told some of you here, God's called me here to this church. I really believe one of the main things is God is calling us to live and to abide in Christ personally, passionately. Why? Why is that so heavy on my heart? Because it's heavy on the heart of God. How is the world really going to see Jesus? We can buy a billboard and put it out there on 5920. And I'm not going to say that someone won't see it and give her life to Jesus. But friend, I'm looking around this congregation today. And the truth is that every single person here comes in contact with people all the time. Everywhere we go, we represent and put on display the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. What's at stake? Everything. Let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just want to praise you today. God, I ask, Lord Jesus, that you would just have your way in our heart. God, help us, humble us, Father, before you. And God, fill us full of your Holy Spirit. God, do a work in us so that others will see Christ in us, the hope of glory. Father, we ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand to your feet this morning. Gavin's going to lead us in a song. Friend, if you're here today, you need to come to the altar. That's good. If you need to come to Christ, then let's come and make that public today. Be obedient to the Lord as we sing through this today.